God is on the move. Amen. And I'll not hold you as hostage. It's time is kicking on. If you need to go, if you've got stuff prepared, that's okay. But I still think there's something of value of us coming round the word of God. And God's got a sense of humor, isn't he? He's not only got a sense of humor, he's in absolute control. And far we are at as we're going through the miracles, as are recorded in Matthew chapter 8 and 9, the very next miracle is about a touch. How this week I've been hearing about, did I touch, did I touch, did I touch? Watch for you touch, watch for you touch, watch for you touch. And it's okay if you're leaning towards you're abstaining for touching, but whether you abstain for touching or near touching, Paul understands that touching is important. Would we agree that? Like just to, just if somebody needs a, a hug, somebody needs a shoulder to cry on. That's why people fly right across the world to get a hold of a newborn baby that's maybe a relative. Now we've got Facebook and we've got Skype and we could do all them things, but there is still something to do with the human touch to one another. And when people are ebbing away at the last days of their life, I've been there myself, the family come, and it's not, oh, let's not touch. It's the importance. Stroke the brow, comfort them. Something vastly important about a touch. I'll be hearing this morning just about this wifey that just broke every rule to touch her saviour. If you're turning your Bibles to Luke chapter, again, we're going through Matthew, but our smell description in Luke, we'll get our reading for verse 14, Luke chapter 8. Emily was off school this week. She was greeting because she was upset. I tell you, the powers of hell couldn't stop me from just picking her up and touching her. Because there's power in touch, there's comfort in touch, there's hope in a touch. And here this, this lady, would even get to know her name, about to touch King Jesus. There's two stories going on here for the sake of time. I'll just concentrate on the lady, not so much Jarius and Jarius' daughter, but the Holy Spirit has brought the two together in every account of the gospel, which are three accounts in the different gospels, there's four gospels, but this story is mentioned in three of them, and each time there's this two stories together. So the Holy Spirit has brought these two stories together for a purpose. So I'll give you the overall theme to start with, and then we'll look at the details. When Jesus returned to Galilee, the crowds were overjoyed, for they had been waiting for him to arrive. Just then, a man named Jarius, the leader of the local Jewish congregation, a religious guy. Now, if he was here last week, Jesus had says, look, and I came to call the righteous, but the unrighteous. And here we go, here's a righteous man in front of him wanting something for Jesus. I tell you, there is still hope for the religious. There is still hope for the religious mindset. We've got to pray for a revival amongst the religious denominations because I believe that God has gone to restore the years the locusts have, lo have eaten and he will cause a revival and he will meet them a resurrection power as he did with Jarius. That's a side comment. He desperately begged him to come and heal his 12-year-old daughter, his only child, 
because she was at the point of death. Jesus started to go with him to his home to see her, but a large crowd surrounded him. And the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered greatly for 12 years from slow bleeding. So you've got a girl that's lived for 12 years about to die and a woman that's felt like she's been dead for 12 years just wanting to live. Even though she had spent all that she had on to heal her, she was still suffering. Pressing in through the crowd, she came up behind Jesus and touched the tassel of his prayer shawl. Instantly, her bleeding stopped and she was healed. Jesus suddenly stopped and said to his disciples, someone touched me. Who is it? While they all denied it, Peter pointed out, Master, everyone is touching you, trying to get close to you. The crowds are so thick, we can't walk through all these people without being jostled. But Jesus replied, yes, but I felt power surge through me. Someone touched me to be healed, and they have received their healing. When the woman realized she couldn't hide it any longer, she came and fell trembling at Jesus' feet. Before the entire crowd, she declared, I was desperate to touch you, Jesus. For I knew if I could just touch even the fringe of your robe, I would be healed. Jesus responded, beloved daughter, your faith in me has released your healing. You may go with peace. While Jesus was still speaking to the woman, someone came from Jairus' house and told him, there's no need to bother the master any further. Your daughter has passed away. She's gone. When Jesus heard this, he said, Jarius, don't yield to your fear. Have faith in me and she will live again. Don't yield to your fear. When they arrived at the house, Jesus allowed only Peter, John, and Jacob, along with the child's parents, to go inside. Jesus told those left outside, you are sobbing and wailing with grief. Stop crying. She's not dead. She's just asleep, must be awakened. They laughed at him, knowing for certain that she had died. Jesus approached the body, took the girl by her hand. Again, a touch. Took the girl by her hand and called out with a loud voice, my sleeping child awake, rise up. Instantly, her spirit returned to her body and she stood up. Jesus direct, directed her stunned parents to give her something to eat and ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Okay, I will be as brief as I can be. But the overall message for me is that all who come to Jesus can be saved. On one hand, you've got this woman. Now, women were worse than second-class citizens back then. This wasn't just a woman. This was a woman with no name. On the other side, here's a religious ruler, and we know his name. His name is Jarius. A man of outstanding righteousness. He is a leader of a congregation. He preaches the word. He's in charge of the synagogue. People respect him and honor him. On the other side, this poor woman that's lost our money, lost our stature, lost all her friends, had down and out because of an issue she couldn't control. Blood was flowing. The doctors seen every penny she had and she's left with nothing. No money. On the other side, Jarvis, if I would be wealthy, 
Manastacha. Investing in other people with employment. A righteous man tells me this that Jesus welcomes all. He welcomes the rich people that want him, and he welcomes the poor people that want him. He welcomes them that are righteous and well thought of in a community. And he also welcomes the down and out, the scalded, the outcast. Within this few verses, I believe the Holy Spirit knitted them together to say this. Jesus wants everybody in a community to know him if they would decide that they need him. One person's problem is a personal problem, the issue of blood. So they go to Jesus. Another person's problem is not necessarily their problem, but they see that their kids are just in chaos and they're looking for answers. Jarius was okay himself. He understood Yahweh, he understood the Torah, he believed he was a, a man that was heaven bound, but yet when a daughter gets sick, there's nothing like panic and there's nothing like fear when fear invades a family to start asking some different questions of it is the meaning of life, what if I want? And Jarius decided, I want what Jesus has got to, to offer. I think the overall meaning is that the Holy Spirit beckons all, and Jesus Christ beckons all to himself. Rich, poor, young, old, everybody, all included. But let's concentrate for a second on this woman, her plight. You imagine being her. She'd been wealthy enough at some point, money to spend, she maybe had a husband, she maybe had a family, she maybe had friends. Imagine one day she's going well in life, but suddenly she's noticed that she started to bleed at a time she wasn't supposed to bleed. She was getting on with her jobs. She was maybe doing the dishes, getting on with life. So that's maybe really sexist to say the woman was Dina Dishes. She was Dina Hoovering one day. And she thought, hold on, something's wrong here. I'm feeling life flow, fema. And she would have understood Leviticus 15, the law. Let me just read this. When a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time other than her monthly period, or has a discharge that continues beyond, she will be unclean as long as it continues. In a bed she lies on, while it continues, will be unclean. Anything she sits on will be unclean. Anyone she touches will be unclean. And anyone who touched them will be unclean. They must wash their clothes, bathe with water, and they are unclean till evening. But when she is clean, and this is the rules for being clean, she must count off seven days, seven days without bleeding. Now this lady might have got to one day without, two days without, she visited the doctor, came back, she thought it was working, 
seven whole days to be clean. And on the eighth day, she must take two doves and two young pigeons, bring them to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting. The priest is to sacrifice one for a sin offering, the other for a burnt offering. And this way, and only this way, he will make atonement for her before the Lord for the uncleanliness. She can be declared clean. Could you imagine? One day passes, she thinks, oh, something's wrong, I'll go to the doctor, it's all right. Take some paracetamol, try and sort some stuff out. I mean, speak about isolation. Days go by. First of all, the synagogue maybe visited her, dropped off some toilet roll to make sure she was all right. It's okay coping with a problem for a month, isn't it? Twelve years. Blood. I'm just looking for seven days without so I can be pronounced clean. Seven days in a row, I can get to two days, I can get to three days, but every day, life, it says that the life is in the blood. On the ever just feel as though the life's getting sucked for you. You should be full of energy, you should be full of vigor, you should be full of passion, but everything you do, and as you hear in your mind is, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Visitors to start with was many, and then they started to become few. As the months rolled on, she became the forgotten woman in the community. She began to isolate herself. She suffered in her mind. You know, nobody wants to touch me. I'm not allowed to touch another soul. I'm unclean. There's no solution. If she turned up to the doctors, even the doctors didn't want to go too close to her because they didn't want to be pronounced unclean. Every time a little bit of hope would come within that 12 years, hope would soon evaporate as the problem started again. And hope deferred makes a heart bleed and sick. And she was looking for a solution. There's no job, no job prospects. Self-isolation for 12 years. 12 birthdays go by. Twelve years of solitary confinement. She felt like gone out, but bleed was not easy to hide. She was scared to go out that if a bleeding had started, that people would see that she was taking a risk by being out and unclean. Better the problem that's hidden than the problem. It's exposed. And some of us carry pain and problems and you're too scared to mix with people. Oh, you would join a house church. But you're scared in case people get exposed to the real you and your problems and your issues. And although life looks good on the outside, you're scared that people really get to ken that life is... You're getting the life sucked out of you every corner. Instead of sharing and seeking help, you close, close off in isolation. Sometimes the only why we feel so we can hide our imperfections is to hide our imperfections. 
12 years alive, but as good as dead. Do you imagine that? 12 years. Every single day we need just a different problem. It's okay if we get different problems. But the same thing every single day. How hopeless she must have felt. This was her plight. But with every plight, there's a fight. Paul said, coming to the end of his life, I have won the rest, I have fought the good fight. Sometimes faith is like a fight. She's in isolation, but she hears, hold on. There's a Jesus proclaiming to be Messiah and he's gone about healing people. And she's lying in her bed, a suffering, and all she can hear is I'm unclean and everything I touch is unclean. Suddenly she hears hope and faith is sparked within her because faith comes through hearing. She heard the hustle and bustle that there was a Christ that was offering healing to people that would come to him. And she maybe heard about the paralytic and the Lord for the roof, but there was nobody that would touch her and nobody that would get close to her. So she is sitting in her unclean bed, in her unclean life. And she starts now just to hear that you're unclean. She starts to hear the voice of hope. I just imagine this weak lady with no name, in isolation for 12 years, suddenly she starts to get the energy to move. Be careful of the person that's got nothing left to lose because faith can spark impossible situations and impossible energy in our lives. And all she hears is that Jesus can heal and she starts to get energy and she starts to move towards the door. And she's gone out to, so it's the last thing she'll ever do. She cares that she is ticking a risk. She cares she is not supposed to touch on anybody. She cares she is not supposed to move beyond boundaries. She cares that nobody's supposed to even touch her. But she has lost our regard for the law. She just wants to be made well. So she opens up that door and starts trembling, looking for the man they call Jesus. How does a weak woman that's been bleeding for 12 years that's lost our thing get through a crowd of men to touch Jesus? Faith. That's how. Faith to endure. And she stumbles across dusty paths and she sees the crowd. And the government the government might not be agree that there should be a crowd, but there was a crowd. And Jesus was in the midst. And you've got this woman with dusty hands and uncleanliness. All she wants to do is touch him. Just touch him. If I could just touch Jesus. And she approaches the crowd and she maybe gets her hand swiped out. She had reached out with her frail fingers. 
She's just looking for a touch. Oh, that one touch for the king would change everything. I've lost everything. But I'm here in hope in Jesus' name. Life is getting sucked firmer. And I kind of seem to stop it. But people will need to reach out and touch Jesus. Just the hem of his garment will do. Just a little bit of Jesus will answer a lot of our problems. And she's putting this frail hand out as a battle of the mind. People are jostling a Bruna Butter and she realizes that she indeed, through Leviticus, is marking Abdi else unclean by touch. But Jesus is going to raise up a generation that will break every rule. That will break every rule. That doesn't matter what the crowd says, young people, break every rule. The crowd might say that Jesus is irrelevant. Why are you going to church on Sunday? Religion is for a generation before. Young people, break every rule and push through the crowd to get to Jesus. Your family might think you are crazy being here. They may be messaging and says, I hope you don't go to church today because there might be a crowd. But you are here to break every rule. I'm the one about breaking government rules. I'm saying the battle of the mind, the battle that we encounter with people and people say, don't I touch touching Jesus? Are you doing persevering? Just give up and go home. But we've got this woman if I doesn't care if her hands are washed, she comes with dirty hands. Now that's a no-no. Hopefully she had a little squishy auntie back before she approached. She'd been isolated for too long. She was past caring. Broke every rule. Rest other people getting infected. Just to touch Jesus. He had a prayer shawl on. This prayer shawl had tasseled, called the zit zit, a blue thread in each tassel. It was a sign of royalty. But David cut off Saul, and Saul was in a cave. It was a sign of religiousness, a sign that Jesus had been in a time of prayer. A high priest included would hear the shawl, the prayer shawl upon him. Listen to these words in Hebrews chapter four. This is the difference between law and grace. Everything under the law would have excluded that woman for even being in the crowd, never mind touching the high priest, never mind touching a Jewish man. So then, we must cling in faith to all we know be true we have a magnificent, great high priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes in our frailty. He understands humanity, for as a man who magnificent, our magnificent king priest, he was tempted in every way just as we are, yet conquered sin. So now... So now, we come freely and boldly 
to where love is enthroned, to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. Broke every rule of the law, but nay of grace. This is a woman that came freely and boldly in her time and need. And Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? For I feel heaven's power going to heal somebody. Under the law, he could have turned around and says, who touched me? I feel unclean. Who touched me? I feel as though there's somebody with an issue of blood here and she's taking too much chances and Mark Abedi else be unclean. But we have a great high priest, a king priest, who is not scared to be touched by his people. He understands our frailties. He understands our weakness. Yet he doesn't say, do not touch me, unclean people. He says, unclean people, come on. I've got salvation, power, with your name on it. I've got some healing power, some grace power, with your name on it. He says, somebody touched me, for I have felt the power surge through me unto them. People in a society that said, do not touch. I was scared to touch Jesus, the great high priest, to receive mercy's kiss upon your life. We maybe have to change some things. We maybe have to go into houses. But I'll tell you something. Nothing can stop us touching Jesus. They try to shackle Paul and Silas for preaching the word of God. And they shackled their hands up. And they said, this is a perfect position for us to praise. And they started singing. My shackles are gone. My spirit is free. And it says that if I was a singer, I would sing it to you, I promise. But <laughs> My shackles are gone. My spirit is free. It says that the other prisoners started joining in. Because they might be able to chain people, but they cannot chain the gospel or your voice and your heart and your life towards Jesus that says, come on, unclean people, you don't need to wash your hands before you come to me. I'm okay. I'll take your contamination and I'll give you joy. The great high priest that beckons us and says, come church, touch me. Somebody touched me. And Peter says, but hold on a minute. There's loads of people jostling up against you, Jesus. I mean, can you not see the crowd? And Jesus says something that encouraged the woman, but actually the crowd should be a bit disappointed by this because he says, no, there is a crowd here, but there's one person that has come out there, why? To deliberately touch me. Everybody in that crowd had an opportunity to receive something for Jesus. And Jesus is now flippant with his power. Jesus can heal the UK in a second. Jesus can save him in a second. Yet he will only do it to them that come before him. 
and ask and you will receive. If you did not ask, you did not receive. You could have done so much things in that crowd. But yet there was one person that came before him wanting something. Church, what are we looking for? For Jesus. Would we be a company of people that says, hey, I'm not happy just to be in a crowd. And if you take the crowd fame, I'll still be the same. We frail hands. We are my issues. We are the life getting sucked firmer. We are my isolation. Be careful of the person that has lost everything. I just need to touch Jesus. And he will take my uncleanliness. He will take my unrighteousness. He will take my sin. And he will soak it up like a vacuum. But forever sin is, there's more grace. And the touch of grace, Jesus was moving in the other wire. Back to the woman. I'll never feel as so Jesus has got his back to you. And he can still reach you and touch him. And ah, his power was made available to the woman. That is grace. That is hope. That is what happens when you get saved. Just the hem of his garment and ah, your infirmary, ah, your sin disease goes on him. And the mark of the gospel is life. And life in ah, its fullness. Nay, a mark it on life. Nay, just a smile and get on with it life. But Jesus promises a life of abundance and fullness and overflowing. Why? Because you enter into his life because his life, resurrection life, is made available to you. And then fit happens next and we'll just close with this. Get the worship band up. She wants to remain hidden. Who touched me? He says, oh, I'm just... Too used to being in a crowd. I'm just going to blend in. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. That was it. Somebody deliberately touched me for I felt something move in terms of power. And it says these precious words. When they could starve and she could stand it no longer, she came forward. Maybe the church is maneuvering, maybe Jesus is maneuvering the church in such a way that if we would touch him, we would feel his power and love and grace. And maybe some will shrink back for testifying, shrink back for the message. But Jesus would maneuver us in such a way that when we could stand it no longer, we have to come forward. Never be the tale but to be the head. Because we're shy people. But when she could stand it no longer, she had to testify. It was I who touched the king and he touched me. It was I who has been made well. It was I for 12 years lived, but I was as good as dead. But now I have experienced life. And ah, it's fullness. One touch for the king.
changed everything. I want to encourage us as a church reach out through faith and we've done it already this morning and touch Jesus experience his power let nothing stop you from experiencing Jesus in your homes in your workplace here now listen to oh, the disillusion that will feed a fear be wise to the days that we are in but be fueled by heaven's fire and let Christ beckon the church in this moment to find our voice in Him. And maybe you shrink back, but now is the day when you can stand it no longer to speak up for Jesus. Maybe the only thing you can say is I've been touched by the King. And then that's all you need to say. Maybe as you can say, as I was once was lost, but now I'm found. And then that's all you need to say. Maybe all we need to say in this time is my hope is near anchored this side of eternity. My all hope is anchored in heaven beyond the veil. Maybe we just need to declare, as Elsa said, Psalm 91, this is what my God says. We can stand it no longer. Christ will urge us to speak up. He never let that lady go away him without testifying. He would have waited that out. Who touched me? There's many people crowding and oh, I want to know, I want the world to know them that has touched me. Before we go, let's stand in his presence. He is mighty to save. And this shy, sensitive woman that had been isolated suddenly had to come forward with a voice and I believe everything that's gone on the church can almost lose its voice and get caught up in the crowd but let's mark a prophetic declaration that Christ will give us our voice Nobody puts baby Christian in the corner. He's <laughs> seen the movie. She was just a baby Christian. Nobody put her in the corner. Jesus could have said, okay, you're just new saved. Wait 12 weeks, maybe after the Alpha course. Or after the discipleship training has done and you can testify, we'll get a shot it. He says, now I want to hear for the one. A voice that would say, it was me. Let's never be scared to say, I'm a Christian. I'm one of the ones that still believe that our Savior reigns. I'm still one of the ones that believe that Christ is in control. I'm still one of the ones that believe that Jesus is the only answer 
for salvation. I'm still one of the ones believed in eternal eternity. That there's a hell to shun and a heaven again through Jesus Christ. I'm still one of the ones that are still going to come and proclaim the goodness of God in the lands of the living. Let's raise our voices in praise and worship. Let's touch the hem of his garment. Let's touch the life of grace. Let's raise our voices, people. If you haven't got Jesus in here this morning, I want to plead with you. Reach you and touch him. If it's for the first time, reach you and touch him. We are your hopelessness. You feel as though you've lost nothing and the life is being sucked for you. Reach you and touch him through faith. Just say, Jesus, I am here to touch you. Oh, the preciousness of our touch. But let the church of the living God respond when it's too long to stay quiet. We must come forth with a voice, no desperation, no panic, no sternness. A voice of faith, a voice of hope, a voice of love, a voice of care. Jesus, be everything in our lives in this place. As we reach you in touch, Jesus. May our power surge for heaven your people. For them that hasn't touched you in a long time or indeed has never touched you. God, would you give them the spiritual faith and the strength to reach out and embrace mercy's kiss. We thank you that you are a high priest. There's no concern we cross contamination. There's no concern with being infected by sin, for you have paid the penalty and set us free. May you welcome us. We are our mire and our clay and our hang-ups. Every single one of them was nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. And you simply lavish on your people freedom and love and joy and peace and kindness. And may we enter in to everything you have called us to be. But please, Lord Jesus, may the church rise up and be at beacon of hope that you've called us to be. Rest for weary souls. Rest for weary souls that is powerful in itself. And let us conduct ourselves with wisdom and power and a sound mind in these days we pray. Jesus, let's praise him. Let's lift our voices. Thank you, Jesus. Let's get caught up in heavenly places. Let's reach out with faith and touch him. He beckons you. Young and old, male, female, rich and poor, he beckons us all to his throne.